Welcome to the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm BHE Senior Editor Tom Valentino, and today I'm joined by Khalid Almaskari, CEO of Health Information Management Systems. You've seen his byline on Behavioral Healthcare Executive several times over the past few months. And Khalid, we're happy to uh, have you uh, join us here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it, and I appreciate being in the show. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your organization and what uh, Health Information Management Systems does. Absolutely. So we are an electronic health record uh, company in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, also in Phoenix. We provide uh, electronic health record, mobile and desktop to integrated healthcare providers. Uh, We've been um, in business for over 15 years, and our focus is in collaboration, integration, and reducing the administrative burden that um, healthcare providers have when, when providing services. Communication is just such a critical component to providing those services. When you're working with behavioral health care providers, where are you seeing the biggest pain points on this front? Where are communication breakdowns most often occurring? A lot of the times it's between within the, the organization itself, working with uh, behavioral health group providers, case managers, recovery coaches, and trying to connect the different um, issues that are that are being addressed. So between patient and, and um, clinician, between nurses and doctors, between um, services being provided internally within the organization, between the clinical team and the revenue cycle management team, there's so much going on and it's really difficult to be able to get a system that would connect all the dots. And that's really what we focus on is connecting the dots, uh, looking at ways of intelligent automation to make it easier for um, everybody that's managing and working with a client to get to do what they need to do without having to worry about if other um team members are not know what's going on. So th- th- that's that's the biggest thing is, is that we work in the background, but our focus is making sure that everybody knows what needs uh, to be done, the treatment plan, the next steps, and also involving outside organizations to make sure that it's a complete treatment. Yeah. So, you know, what are some, uh, some steps organizations could be taking to improve their lines of communication, whether it's between staff members or, you know, facilitating those conversations between caregivers and patients to, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page, get everybody pushing in the same direction. Yeah. So as you know, Tom, communication is vital to, to ensuring the quality care of any medical practice gets done. Um, I really think the first step is identifying what are the top areas that need to be clearly communicated. So each organization is different, although the services that are being provided in general are similar, but organizations have lives of, it, of their own and they have different ways of communicating. For each organization, the customers that we have, we work very closely with them to identify how communication happens. And then we step back and look at the big picture and identify, for example, if uh, one of the issues is nurses connecting to the doctors and the providers to make sure that the services are being coordinated, then that's the area that would focus on that. And we, with the automation part, you don't have to go looking for information. It's really nice for the information that's specific to what you need is there waiting for you. 
and um, and like another example is the coordination of care between uh, behavioral and uh, medical physical services. A lot of times that gets missed, and then there are times when uh, some of the technologies you're using faxes to communicate stuff. Um, physical, like the the medical practices, may be overwhelmed with the number of faxes. So what we try to do is make sure that the information that's getting there is based on what that medical practice need rather than what the regulations are requiring, if that makes sense. It's amazing. Faxes are still uh, <laughs> a, a key part of the equation here in 2021. But, uh, they are. It's true. It, it is. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, you know, getting into that uh, electronic side, you know, electronic health records, EHRs, um, you know, this is your jurisdiction. What do you see uh, as being some of the common barriers uh, to adopting EHRs, um, what, what, what are those roadblocks most commonly for, uh, behavioral healthcare providers? I believe the biggest issue is that the world, especially with the pandemic last year has gone mobile and yet the electronic health records are still, um, office bound or, or desktop specific, um, also, the technology itself has advanced in so many ways um, with behavioral health and with healthcare. Uh, we're still focusing on doing things the way that we've done them many, many years ago. So being able to have a mobile workforce supported by mobile technologies that are intelligent, that are voice, uh, voice activated, is the biggest benefit that's going to happen um, this year and the next few years. Um, a lot of the barriers are the administrative burden. So if somebody is supposed to provide services to their clients, but then they're spending 40% of their time tinkering and trying to get an EHR or a system to work, then that's a really a big waste of time for everybody. Um, the standards, like there are some advances in the, the standards and the collaboration, it's not where it needs to be, but that's another area where collaboration internally or with other other systems like uh, HIEs or other EHRs, it seems to be more of a closed system. And what we need is we need to be able to open up that collaboration and the exchange of information a lot more than we are doing right now. So let me ask you this, if, if you're a behavioral health care provider organization and you're looking at your operations and you're saying, you know, implementing an EHR here, this would be, it's time for us. It's a good step for us to take. And you start looking at your options that are out there. What kinds of components should you be looking for? What kinds of questions should you be asking uh, potential vendors uh, that you could be partnering with. Um, what's that process going to look like? A big part of it is making sure that you have a communication platform. So electronic health records, EHRs, are not considered communication platforms. The world that we live in is more of a communication and a collaboration. So you have to have something that is um, is mobile something that could communicate within the organization and also with the, with your clients, something that advances your services, the provision of the services, rather than looking at it from, is this something that we could just bill from, or is this going to meet the, the audit requirements? I really think 
it's for, for behavioral health, especially the time is, is now to make sure that we have, we have, um, we ask these questions about EHRs. Uh, what are the things that are, you're doing that are more innovative? The focus shouldn't be in, on how big an EHR is or how long it's been in business. It's more on what is it that they're doing to improve the services. Reliability seems like it would also be uh, a pretty important aspect to this as well, I would think. It definitely is. Okay. Um, just moving beyond uh, EHR specifically, are, are there other, you know, as, as we see this industry evolve and, and we see, you know, the field progressing forward, are there other data points um, that you see uh, contributing to the, the modernization of the healthcare landscape, you know, specific to uh, behavioral health? I, I, we work on um, machine learning and artificial intelligence. We've been focusing on on that for the past two and a half years. There, it's a technology that could help immensely, and especially in in behavioral health. Right now, um, I'm not sure what the what the national statistics are, but I would, uh, based on what I know, it's very low that somebody a client would receive the services and and uh, that they wanted and actually have that treatment completed with a high satisfaction rate. Um, Part of it, and talking to a lot of the clinical staff and the CEOs, is that there is no way of aggregating the data in a meaningful um, in a meaningful way that will enable new clients to benefit from the wealth of data that's already there. Meaning that if somebody is is presenting for specific condition, depression, or something else, there are a lot of a lot of things that have already been tried that have been tried uh, or worked on that um, we're not using that as much. So we treat every individual as a new a new service and a new type of um, services that need to be provided. What we're working with some of our customers is identifying all of the things that are specific to a population or specific to a person. Uh, we're working on a project where we um, have um, working on recommendation as far the specific type of employee that would fit that client needs, the type of services that could be started, the type of services that will um, improve the, the odds of, um, of go, coming back to the services. And all of these are things that have not, in, like just in my, my um, experience, have not been looked at. And that's why I was talking about EHRs, not, not just as something that will fulfill an, um, a requirement, but what are the things that are more innovative? So that's something that we're really excited about, uh, the machine learning part of it, and also utilizing the hundreds of millions of records that, um, that we have to be able to guide, not, not, not to implement, but to guide the clinical staff to the best uh, treatment course for a specific client. Do you see a realistic path forward uh, in the near future for, you know, kind of getting us on a path where we can start standardizing that data and, and, and making it a little bit more useful and, you know, kind of moving more in that direction? Is that kind of what you're looking at now? A big part, so we're doing it individually and we're spending a lot of time doing that. A big part of it is the ability to collaborate uh, throughout the United States with the health information exchanges where the data is available, um, obviously de-identified data 
because with how machine learning works, the more data you have, the better the outcomes are. And right now there is a limitation in there. Some of it, some of it may be a limitation because of, of policies and regulations. Some of it is because of competitive nature, but really like in order for us all to improve the services and the outcomes, we need to have those barriers broken. And um, we're trying to work on, on that aspect with um, some of the, you know, we're, we're in about 12 states right now. So we're focusing on, on some of these states trying to get the data to be available to the customers, again, de-identified, but it really helped in, in shaping the algorithms that we're using to make it better for everybody else. And it's something that I really strongly believe that um, there needs to be a lot of focus um, on that aspect of healthcare. Khalid Al-Maskari, I've uh, enjoyed your insights uh, that you've been providing for us and the articles you've been writing uh, for the Behavioral Healthcare Executive website and uh, plenty more good stuff here today in uh, this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Tom. All right. As a reminder, you could subscribe to the BHE podcast on Apple Podcasts and tune in and episodes are always available on behavioral.net as well. Our thanks again to HIMS CEO Khalid Almaskari for joining us. I'm Tom Valentino, and this has been the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast. <music>